cancer has such a devastating impact on so many humans around the world and a lot of time and resources obviously within healthcare are put towards it in terms of treatment, prevention, but also a lot of time and effort goes into research and studies. And with oncology studies, time is a major factor. So if there was a way to make the process smoother and improve data sharing within clinical trials, could that yield better results? Could have a significant impact for the healthcare system, improving efficiency, but importantly, have a significant impact on many people's lives. Well, in this episode today, we're learning about improving clinical trials for cancer patients in an interview with Tam Nguyen and Yuren Sivaraj from OncoShot, who are connecting cancer patients, hospitals and industry with real-time insights. So I had an opportunity to sit across the table from Huren and Tam while Huren was here in Sydney. We had a really informative conversation about OncoShot and the problem they're solving, this issue of data sharing, not just here, but across the world. We talked about some of the exciting partnerships that they'll be using to deliver on this vision. We also talked about the potential and opportunities that exist within the clinical trial space moving forward. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. So here we go. Here's a conversation I had with Huren Sivaraj and Tam Nguyen from OncoShot. Huren is the CEO and co-founder of OncoShot, based in Singapore, is a medical oncologist and a visiting consultant taking care of breast cancer patients in one of the big public sector hospitals in Singapore. Tam Nguyen, Deputy Director of Research at St. Vincent's Hospital in Melbourne and now Deputy Director of OncoShot Australia. Here we go. Hi, Peter. My name is Huren Sivaraj. I'm the CEO and co-founder of OncoShot. I'm a medical oncologist by background. So back home in Singapore, I take care of breast cancer patients as a visiting consultant in one of the big public sector hospitals. But I spend, of course, most of my time on OncoShot today. Great to have you here. And Tim? Hi, Pete. Good to be on the show. Yeah. After a while. <laughs> You've not been on the podcast. No, I haven't. No, I, th- I've been I on... just assumed you had. And then you I know what? Yeah. No, no, no. And, but I've been on summits and other yes. stuff before. Yes. And, you know, so... Hello to the listener. My name is Tam Nguyen, coming into this role as the Director of Operation for OncoShot in Australia. And um, most of you would know me in my role at St. Vincent, but also with Horizon 3 Biotech and Acclaim Australia. But in this context, I'm the Director of Operations for OncoShot in Australia. Amazing. Kieran, tell us a bit more about OncoShot and what it is, who it's for, problems it's all. So I think the best way to describe OncoShot is we are trying to address an important problem in healthcare. And that problem is one of our inability to share data or insights, particularly in real time. And if you imagine healthcare systems being on one island and industry partners being on another island, today, when it comes to sharing information, it's almost as if, you know, we are taking small little boats going on one side, picking up some old Mm. scrappy data and then bringing it to the other side and expecting industry to build its value proposition for across many different use cases with that limited data. We want to build a bridge connecting those two islands. We want that bridge to be able to enable real-time data that is clean, that is verified, to move efficiently across one group or one island, which is healthcare systems, to the other, which is industry. And today we are focused on building that first bridge with cancer clinical trials. And that's the space that we're in at this point in time. 
Interesting, interesting. And so, and that bridge, what does that bridge look like? Is it a platform? Yep. So that bridge has a few components to it. At the level of what we call architecture, we recognize that there are very, very stringent security, privacy, and regulatory concerns when it comes to data. And the way we resolve that at the level of architecture is to deploy what we call federated data sharing systems. So essentially, there is no physical movement of hospital data or patient-level data from a hospital to a third party. It still remains physically within the firewall or the control of the hospital. But what we do bring is the technology or the computing capabilities within our OncoShot application that sits inside the hospital premise. And our system allows for queries from industry to be pinged or brought into the hospital's federated application and then the analytics to be run and the insights to then be brought out. So you get that high value information without moving the raw data. And that's what happens at the architecture level. At the level of the product itself, what happens is there is a lot of security level controls given to the hospital administrators or stakeholders so that there is complete transparency and visibility over who the industry partners are that are engaging the hospitals for its data. So imagine yourself as Pharma A wanting to know how many stage 4 breast cancer patients with a rare mutation exist within that hospital. Now today, what happens is third-party data providers would claim to have that data, sell that data, and hospitals would never know what actually happened to their raw data. In our system, what we've provided is that openness and transparency where if Pharma A wants that data, it has to actually request for that hospital-level data insights on our system. The hospital administrators or investigators are able to see who is seeking its data, what clinical trial they are keen to bring in return for that data, and then decide whether they want to share it or not. And when they do share that information, there's also an incentive that comes back that allows the hospital to sustainably improve the quality and quantity of data that they're putting into the system over mm. the long run. So that's why we build that product level. So essentially, it's architecture plus product that goes into the platform. Yeah. And that platform allows for any number of hospitals and any number of industry partners to come on board. Yeah, no, got it. I think you gave an example, but it's worth repeating or reiterating just for clarity as well. In terms of the data that's being requested and moved, in terms of the purpose and the why, like what the data is being used for, in terms of industry partners, give some color to it and some context about what's happening there. So I think the bridge that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, that we are building this entire platform on for at this point is centered around cancer clinical trials. Mm -hmm. The reason why we focus on cancer clinical trials as opposed to any other use cases is because cancer probably accounts for the majority, about 30 to 35% of industries spend on clinical research today. There are close to 15 to 17,000 ongoing clinical trials just for cancer alone, right? And this need for data is also, it has to be in real time because cancer patients don't have long survival overall. So if you're planning for a clinical trial and you want to identify patients who can get into a study, you can't wait on data that is one year old or even six months old or even three months old sometimes, hmm. right? You need to get access to these patients quickly. And the only way to do that is real-time data. Now, what happens on our system is that the product shapes the data at several different levels, but primarily as aggregated insights. So imagine that this is Pharma A using the same example that we talked about earlier, 
which is looking for stage 4 breast cancer patients with a particular mutation. Now, they may not have started the study yet. So this is maybe in development phase, right? Or planning feasibility phase for a big pharma or a CRO. Now, for them, they need to decide, look, where are these patients with these characteristics? And can we identify the right countries for a start with the right hospitals who may have these patients? And this is where the aggregated insights can then help industry partners to decide compared to, say, country A, maybe country B would be a good option to start a study first. And then depending on how country B performs, we might want to activate country C and so on. And then the next step would be, if I've decided to run a trial in this country, Oncoshot would have given you the breakdown of where these patients are across the different sites in that country. And you can then engage each site or hospital for its hospital-level information, conduct what we call a feasibility with that hospital, and eventually then decide if I'm going to run the study or not. Now, the third part of how the data comes in handy is when you actually start running the study in that hospital. Now, remember, Oncoshot has already done the compute in terms of who are the patients who are matching. That's how it came up with the original numbers. Now, over this period of time, if there are new patients who are matching to that study, they get picked up. They contribute to the analytics as well. But the patient-level data is still maintained at the hospital's end. Mm. And so when the study then starts, the hospital investigators are able to go back to their patient population, proactively screen the patients and enroll them into the studies as well. And so this is how our system addresses that entire feasibility to screen and enrollment portion of the clinical trial process. Just starting off with aggregated insights, but eventually leveraging on individual patient-level data within the hospitals to drive screening and enrollment. I want to get into a bit more of the global piece and then relevance into Australia. But as you're talking, I'm thinking you mentioned at the start, coming from a clinical background, seeing cancer patients, is that right? What's plug that gap for me in terms of what you're doing? It's not, not, a, not a simple app on the side, onco shot here. It's a bit of a complex beast. Like, well, how did that how did happen? That come? Yeah. What's... Great question. Um, <laughs> so you might not be familiar about this, but where I'm from, which is in Singapore, we have to serve national service. All males born in Singapore, they have to serve in the army, right? And um, we usually do that at the age of 18. But if you've been accepted into medical school, you get to actually complete your medical degree and then come back and serve in national service as a medical officer. Now, I had the opportunity and privilege when I came back to serve as a medical officer. I didn't run a medical center where it would be mostly GP kind of work. I was actually a project officer where I had to help shape the design of the next generation of electronic medical records for the Singapore Armed Forces. And during that process, now you can imagine healthcare is a big data silo with a lot of restrictions and regulations. Now imagine that you're working in the Ministry of Defense within the healthcare unit <laughs> and you're going to figure, how do I design a new EMR or improve on the current EMR meeting the internal requirements of all the service units, but at the same time, being able to interface or share information across other stakeholders in the public sector. Because servicemen in the army are not going to get tertiary level care within the armed forces. They have to go outside, which is where the specialists are. So that two years where I was serving my national service gave me a profound experience of designing data systems, but also thinking about breaking data silos. 
right? And then I go back to the public sector to train in internal medicine and then eventually in oncology. And I realized that we actually haven't started on those steps in terms of breaking data silos. And then I realized that this problem is not just a problem at the level of Singapore or just some of the hospitals here, but it's a global issue. The only technologies that have been adopted are really record-keeping functions or EMRs. That's as far as we had gone, like, you oh know, maybe until five years ago. If you go to a hospital and you think about digital tools or tech, essentially it's all about how do I keep record, right? But how do we then share? How do we analyze? How do we actually increase the value of the data? Now, a lot of ground-level work had to be done. Infrastructure had to be built, you know, as well as new products and capabilities had to be brought in so that we can see that. And none of that had happened. However, what we are seeing now is that proliferation of startups and ideas and products. But to some degree, we still haven't figured out what's the infrastructure that's required to facilitate that information sharing. And I think this is where things are starting to come together from a very personal level. This is how my experiences of the past yeah. have shaped what Alcashot is today. Yeah, that's interesting. And you mentioned it's a global issue. Tam, you know this space really well, particularly here in Australia. Does this kind of resonate with you as well? I mean, absolutely. It's not too dissimilar in terms of what Huren just described. And, and you know, some of the session I'm on, the Talking Health Tech Summit, where we're talking about technology, where healthcare is so behind, you know, we operate with technology from last century, you know. Hospitals like us, where I work, is still using fax machines and so on and so forth. But there's that real opportunity to actually looking at the way we actually look at trials, clinical trials, and how data is actually being used and leveraged. Um, if we look at the actual offering from Oncoshot, you can look at different, I guess, stakeholders, if you will, from the pharmaceutical right through to the CROs and then the PIs, but also the patient. Now, we all know that you know trial participation is low not because patients don't want to do it or the PIs don't want to enroll their patient into trials, but it's just that barriers of technology where it's not easy to find trials or it's not easy to actually understand, well, what's the patient population that the PI or the doctors is managing? Or what's the proportion of the patient cohort that the doctors are managing is actually eligible for trials? And hence the technology comes in. So I'll start with the sponsors first where and sponsors here brought pharmaceutical, big and even right down to, you know, early stage biotech company where they start looking at trial design, where they use the population data to actually inform them of how they're actually going to design the trial, for example. Trials are actually going to be meeting the requirements of the needs of the patient population. At the moment, what Huron described before is that data out there is static. Like it's not update or refresh. It might refresh, you know, every six months and which means in oncology, as, as a clinician, you know, everyone will attest to this, patient might not be around that long, you know. And so the currency of data being dynamic, actually helping the sponsors to actually, you know, design trials, run trials, but also part of that feasibility is that when it comes to a trial site where the PI, the principal investigators or the trials doctors will look at it and say, oh, yep, yeah, I've got this patient cohort. At the moment, it's relying on, you know, whether it's kind of their database if they don't have an EMR. And even if they have an EMR, it's hard to actually find that information easily available. And what it means is that delay further in actually getting patient or participant into trials. And from the patient perspective, 
from the Australian context where there's that kind of disparity between the metro and then people in remote and region part as well. So I think the solution offer kind of that value add to a lot of different stakeholder in different ways. And we can chat a bit further how that's for each of the stakeholders, you know, what it means for them as well. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Thinking from the stakeholder perspective as well, on both sides of the spectrum, you talked about that importance of, I guess, visibility and clarity and the concept of federation of data. On one hand, you know, that's, I guess, in a sense, greater governance or control. And then on the other side, there's that potentially it brings added complexity if it's not done well or if it's not understood from either of the end users. How have you gone about making sure that the platform is, I guess, intuitive enough or simple enough to utilize and actually serves those needs while at the same time meeting all those really important governance? So I think that's one of the important aspects of startup work, right? You don't just have a 100% working solution immediately. You can't. You have to modify and design and build your system around the needs and the requirements of your users. And we take in absolutely every little bit of feedback that we can from our hospital side of the users, user base, as well as our pharma and industry partners. And we get tremendous amount of insights that have helped us to actually shape our focus on not just a product, but even in terms of, look, where are we going to invest in terms of the AI and data science research mm. that needs to be done within oncology data for us to not just bring the analytics in a better format for end users, but maybe to even help our customers process their data more efficiently. And I think this conversation that we continuously have is really important. And that's how we actually work with our partners. That collaborative spirit and that perspective of co-building our solutions together, I think that's really how we've functioned. Yeah, I like it. And so you mentioned you're from Singapore. You flew here specifically just for this interview, I'm sure. So thank you for that. <laughs> so talk to me a bit more about those different markets in terms of how long it's been you know, operating in Singapore and why now you're in Australia. So Oncoshot has been around since late 2018. We launched our clinical trials product in around the second quarter of 2019. It took us a while to get started because you can imagine, I would liken our work to infrastructure building. Mm -hmm. right? Or foundation building. You know, before you build a building, you need to spend months designing the stuff and then eventually putting in the pillars and the foundation before you, someone actually sees the external structure, right? It took us one to one and a half years to really get going with our data partnerships because the challenge is always zero to one. Um, and many a times, once you figured out that zero to one, you find that one to X becomes a lot easier, plus and minus right? Depending on where you are. For example, in new markets, you still have to redo the zero to one. But at the same time, when you enter new markets, you get to show the experience mm. of how you've architected other markets. And that's a lot more trust in getting that first relationship. So it took us close to about one to one and a half years to get our first major data partnership in Singapore. Today, we manage through our platform, we generate analytics that includes more than 60% of the Singapore cancer patient population. And we are also in India, where, mind you, we actually started in India at approximately the same time that we launched in Singapore, which is very odd for an early stage startup, right? But one of the challenges that we recognized early on would be scale. Starting from Singapore means that we've got a really small population that would not interest industry partners at the end of the day, right? So we had to show Singapore as our proof of concept 
in terms of how the technology works, but we really had to bring it outside of Singapore at the same time. So in India, we've been building data pipelines over the last three years. I think within our network, when they're all fully onboarded, it should cover somewhere between 15 to 20% of the Indian known cancer patient population once they're on board with some of these very strong public sector partners in the Indian landscape. So Australia is actually our third market. Yeah. And we are really grateful that we managed to launch in Australia with Omico, which is the Australian Cancer Genomic Network here. They do a lot of next generation sequencing for more than 20 to 30 hospitals in Australia. And they are able to also bring in clinical trials for what we call precision oncology. And we find them to be a very strong initial landing partner. And hopefully we can demonstrate that we are bringing in more high quality biomarker or precision oncology clinical trials for the Australian population via this initial partnership. What we can now leverage on is our experience and partnerships that we have industry partners outside of Australia to bring them in. But I think there's a tremendous scope for growth, both hospitals and industries sitting in Australia as well. Yeah. Interested in the whole space of precision oncology, and we'll talk a bit more about Omnico in a sec, but just back to the point around India as well as a market, because I know that's a conversation we've had within the community from time to time too, particularly for organizations in Australia. I can relate with your point around demonstrating technology in a good healthcare system, but in a small population can only be attractive to so many people. And that's a similar problem sometimes in Australia as well. But Singapore, I can see that even more so. We've had a lot of conversations within the community about instead of trying to expand into the more predictable areas like the US and the UK, especially where we are in Australia, what about India and other areas around the, I guess, the Asia Pacific area? What are the main differences and nuances and I guess challenges of working in say the Indian healthcare market? Yeah, I think one of the key things is every market is going to be unique by on its own. It will be hard to say that any one person building a startup would recognize the nuances of business building in healthcare in each of these markets by themselves. So it's absolutely critical that we find the right folks who are already in a way plugged into that landscape, the understand the pulse of healthcare or even oncology to be specific in our case, to be able to bring that solution there. And having that as part of your team is going to be critical for a startup to scale into a new market. Now, once that's sorted out, the second part is at a level of a few things. The first is the market readiness to adopt technology. And this would be dependent primarily on where they are in their own adoption of technology, right? So in some countries, all hospitals may already have an EMR, right? So you've got another issue. If they already have an EMR, how do you then clean up the data from the EMR so they can come in the way that you need it on your system, in all shot? In some countries which are not as developed, you could have partners reaching out to you but ready to come in, but they may not even have an EMR. I was going to say, don't they have all clinically coded, digitally enabled? So I think what's nice is we need to address this question that comes with a wide number of people approaching us. How we select the right partner is a separate issue altogether. But we need to be prepared to address that there will be some stakeholders who may have EMRs or data, but not in the way that you want it. And you need to provide some sort of intermediary solution to work with them. There will be others in the other end of the spectrum who are ready to participate, but they don't have data in the way that you want it. Now, how do you actually find the model to work with them so that at least they can participate in clinical trials? And this is something that goes into figuring out 
how your solution needs to be shaped for that landscape. So the technology can be developed, but it's also about the processes and the application of your technology within that landscape. And for us, we found that having the right partners allows us to do that more efficiently. I think if you imagine that, look, just like SaaS software, for example, that you can build a software and you just deploy it and you get people signing up and using it, that's not going to work. Mm. Particularly in healthcare enterprise solutions, that's not going to work. Yeah. So I think going back to your question, some of these challenges revolve around knowing the stakeholders and that's where you need the right leadership in that country. Second is understanding where they are in their own technology or digital transformation process and then being able to fit your solution into that. The third would be figuring out what is the payer landscape, right? You could have the technology, you could have a great platform, but if no one is ready to pay, you don't have a business that you can operate in that country, right? And the payer landscape can be quite complex and different country to country. We need to make sure that it works for us. And that's where, once again, having the right people allows you to make those decisions a lot more effectively. But you're otherwise going to be just assuming the only pay-ready landscapes are the developed countries and I need to be in the US or EU because no one else is willing to pay, which may be a wrong assumption. There could be developing countries that are actually ready to pay, industry partners that are looking to participate in developing countries. And all you have to do is then make sure that you address their needs and you could have a viable business model as well. So... I think these are some of the thought processes that go behind how we select new markets. Today, we have the benefit of showing people that you know, we have moved into these three countries and to wait for interest to come to us, mm. as opposed to us going to new markets. Because we have realized that it takes time to build relationships in healthcare. And if you can work with people who are already keen to participate, who are motivated to participate, that is usually a good starting point to enter new markets. And so perfect example, Tam, obviously very knowledgeable in this space locally here in Australia. We touched on the Omnico partnership as kind of that flagship first here in Australia. What excites you about that opportunity in particular? Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's to continue that conversation we just have about partnerships and looking at global. I mean, you look to Asia or Southeast Asia, for example, you got Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, Singapore. That region there alone is, and the Philippines, Southeast Asia, over 600 million people. So the market is there, right? So it's certainly, and in a way, it's creating the impact too. The ability to actually say, here's opportunity to, on the one hand, as a startup, you know, you tap on the size of the market for viewing the business, actually data, that's your volume, right? But importantly, it's actually creating impact. So in terms of partnership, and just to add on what Herbert mentioned in the work in Singapore, we have the like of Roche, AstraZeneca, Novartis in Singapore, you know, as some of the big pharmaceutical company as partners, as well as some of the CROs like MedPace, Novotech, and so on and so forth. So they're big names out there. In particular, with Omico here, the exciting part is that the ability to actually drive change and create impact with a partner that is actually having that network of already stakeholders, existing stakeholders that drive that change. And in a way, it's paving that sort of future expansion as well, where we spoke about precision oncology. I mean, that's the next part. Now, the value comes into the hospital where this the ability to actually have a software to actually help the doctors to actually 
make trials run easier and for patient to find trial or be on trials quicker and mm. easier. So we couldn't ask for a better partner to start with. And certainly it's for Omicol to be on board. You know, there's others in the pipeline that we're looking to explore as well. And certainly there'd be, I guess, opportunity and certainly for the listeners, you know, more than happy to be in touch and sort of talk more about that. I was going to say, you know, to start winding things up then here in Australia, firstly, Tam, you touched on one example and the the future opportunities and potential. So it sounds like very much open to discussions with industry partners and collaborators to start getting the the picture out. What else is going to be on your to-do list as we scale things out in Australia? Well, you know, part of the announcement prior to that, and we've been very fortunate to receive the uh, pre-Series A funding from Mass mutual venture, which is a big fund in the US. So Huron and the team in Singapore have been working hard with that. And certainly that helped us with the expansion. It's one of those things that, you know, you sign this collaboration with sort of a well-known partners here. And now it's sort of the tie hitting the row and actually get on with the operation side of thing, getting things done. And we obviously be looking at expanding the team as well here in Australia. So keep an eye out for that, you know, as we build our team here. Exciting. And then globally, what's on the horizon? Yeah. So globally, I think over the next six months, we are looking at doing early market entry work in countries such as Japan, UK, and in EU. I think there are a few other countries that have considered piloting Oncoshot. We'll probably be focusing on these three markets first with the funding from the current round. And more importantly, making sure that we can deliver extremely high value for existing markets with how industry and hospitals are benefiting from that data. I think that'll be very important for us while we also think about the expansion work. What we're starting to see is that people are recognizing the software and or the platform for its unique role in ecosystem building, in forming public-private collaborations, when it comes to using oncology data and clinical trials. This seems to be our space. And I think it's important for us to make sure that we get good grades all around in our ability to deliver or execute. So there will be a lot of focus in making sure that, you know, operationalizing and growing our partnerships in Singapore and Australia scales up quickly. Yeah. Exciting times. Well, the details for Oncoshot will be in the show notes of this episode for people to check out in their own time. Obviously, as THT Plus members, you've got the directory listing on the Talking Health Tech website. And no doubt we'll see any news updates and jobs as you scale out the team available there for people if they're interested in checking it out. Look, Huren, Tam, appreciate you coming in and having a chat and looking forward to hearing what's to come. Thanks so much. Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit talkinghealthtech.com.